0: What's new on the legislative and regulatory front, and what does it mean for your clients and your practice? We'll find out on part two of our Shift Shapers interview with Jessica Waltman. Change
1: either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see.
0: This episode is brought to you by Triune Technologies, creator of the market-leading benefits connector Benadmin software. Now, with special pricing for smaller groups. To learn more, call Carol Motznik at 336-253-5722. That's 336-253-5722. Let Triune help you get out of the admin business and back into the selling business.
1: And now, here's your host, StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman.
0: So we're back with part two with Jess, and um, Jessica Waltman is the Vice President of Compliance at MZQ Consulting. Uh, There was so much to discuss that we've made this a two-part episode, so if you didn't catch last week's, go back and catch up. We're talking about a few more things that are kind of under the radar but going on in the swamp, and then we're going to talk, we're going to finish up today with what's going on with the divided Congress, what we might expect and what we might not expect, and what's going on with the state. So with that, welcome back, Jess.
1: Thank you so much for having me back again.
0: Okay, so let's get exciting here. Hold on to your hats, everybody. Let's talk about HSAs and the telemedicine (laughs) extension.
1: (laughs) Okay, so we love health savings accounts, but they're kind of tricky. If you have one, you have to have what's called a qualified high deductible health plan to go with it. And this is according to the law that created the HSAs back, way back, and I'm blanking when it was, but like around 2000. So... If you have a qualified high deductible health plan, everything needs to be subject to the deductible except for some things that we call preventive care. And it's not the ACA's definition of preventive care. It's a bigger definition created by the IRS because HSAs predate the ACA. So you take that preventive care, everything preventive care under the ACA, plus plus. And for a long time, it was questionable about, and if you subject any, or you pay for anything else without put the deductible first, then technically the person cannot contribute to their HSA. And the plan, the person with the HSA could be in pretty big tax trouble. So we try to keep those high deductible health plans on the straight and narrow. So for a long time, whether or not a telemedicine visit, especially if it was one that was kind of outside the plan, you know, like a standalone telemed could you have that with your plan, and the employer pay for it, and you just call up and get the teledoc or them you know, whatever it is, without and still have an HSA? And it was a gray area. And then came the pandemic, so some people were saying yes, and some people were saying no. I mean, it was just kind of a risk type of situation. The pandemic hits, and we get the CARES Act, and they say, guess what? We are making it clear it was something that you had to subject to the deductible, but we're going to give you an exception because it's covid and no one's allowed to go outside so we you know we we're, we're all you know trapped inside so we're going to switch everything to telemed as, as much as we can and you can have that not subject to the deductible but it's temporary so in the middle you know it lasted it expired they reinstated it it was supposed to end this December 31st 2022 however congress I don't know if you've noticed they're a little dysfunctional these days and they don't like to actually pass a lot of laws. So they leave everything to the end and they pass these gigantic omnibus bills in December to fund the government and do other things. They just shove other things in there. So one of the things that was shoved into this Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023 was an extension of this HSA thing. So you can have an HSA and a telemed not subject to the deductible. Like you could you know, just get that free from your employer plan under a high deductible health plan for another two years. However, there is a very important caveat for anybody that helps administer these plans, sell these plans, works with employers. So they, of course, didn't get the language quite perfect. And accidentally or on purpose, I don't know, like you know what they're doing in the middle of the night at Congress. They didn't make it just kind of flow through. So if you already had this, they had it expire and then they started it new again and gave you a new two years. So, and they said it starts new on your plan year because Congress, I guess, assumed that everybody's plan year starts on January 1, but we all know that that's not true. So say, for example, I'm going to use our MCQ, like my my health plan that I have. We I have a high deductible health plan through MZQ, and our plan year starts in September one. I honestly cannot remember if I have telemed coverage subject for, had it before the deductible. We'll assume I did, because we have a very generous plan. Thank you, Jen. But we cannot, I cannot contribute to my HSA. Like we have to have it subject to the deductible again until September 1, because that's when our new plan year starts. So there is going to be a gap for people. I mean, will you get caught? What will happen to you? I don't know, but I will say this, that the person that is risking it is the person contributing to their HSA. So if this is an issue with an employer-sponsored plan that you work with, you are not putting the group at risk You're putting the employees or the plan participants that are contributing to the HSA at risk, and you need to think about that. And it's been very clear that this is a violation. I mean, before it used to be a gray area. Now we know... That it should be, you should have to pay the fair value of a telemed visit and not just get it, you know, call the 1-800-whatever and get a doctor.
0: Amazing fun. It's just, it's getting so incredibly complicated and murky in places that you really need a Sherpa to, to help you figure out, wh- regardless of, you know, how erudite you are about these things and how knowledgeable you are. Let's go on to another fun topic. We started talking about mental health parity back in 2008. And there have been a few changes going on since then. What's the newest? What's up with that?
1: Okay. So, I'm going to say this HSA thing hit with the 2023 gigantic bill. This one dates back to the gigantic bill of 2021. So, we're now calling them the CAA 21 and the CAA 23. CAA 22 didn't have that much on it, but 21, 23, big deals. So, the CAA of 21. Basically, said, Hey, we've had this law with mental health parity since 2008, and we're not really sure that most health plans in America and most health insurance carriers and most vendors are really paying complete attention to it. And they may be kind of making things up and like doing it their own way, but we have a law and we'd like them to do it our way. So, what we're going to do to make you get along with our program is what I like to call a congressionally mandated book report that every, they didn't say every year, but they do say you have to keep it current and use current plan data. So what's current? So, I mean, I will say like, I interpret current as a year. I'm going to say every year, but you might be able to stretch it if you're a little more risk-averse or risk-friendly. I guess I'm risk-averse that you have to go through, analyze your plan and identify all of the things that the plan does on like the, not numerical, to limit access to treatment. So for example, if you impose a prior authorization requirement, like how does that work? What benefits are subject to prior authorization? How long does it actually take for you to get prior authorization? And you have to look at it from the mental health and substance use disorder perspective and then medical surgical benefits. And they give you categories that you have to look at. And you have to analyze and see if it's being kept in parity. And parity does not mean equality, but it does mean, like what they say is, it hasn't, it can't be stricter for mental health than it is for medical surgical. You can make things reasonable because mental health and medical surgical care are different. And it's not always, you know, you might not, say, certify providers. You might look at criteria for mental health care providers. It might be different. Like what you check to certify a cardiologist is going to be different than what you check to make sure that, a, you know, a licensed social worker is on the up and up. But you can't make it harder to get care through a psychologist than you do through like a pediatrician. So that you have to do this big analysis of your plan. This is not information that typically a plan sponsor or the employer it's on the employer. The employer does not have this information. So they have to go to their vendors and get information. And they have to get both written information, like what do you say that you're going to do? Like what's in your plan documents? What's in your written procedures at the carrier, at the PBM, whoever's doing the work for you? And then you have to test current plan data. And it has to be plan-specific, not aggregate data. So you need to give them information about like what's actually happening in your plan because you can say you're doing all these things and then in practice, you know, it could take you 10 times as long to prior authorize a trip to a 28-day program versus a hip replacement. And if that's true, that's a problem. So this report, everybody needs to have one and they need to keep it current. I would say probably maybe 2% of American group plans have gotten theirs done yet. If you're fully insured, you want to go to your carrier because they, they're the ones who are making it for you and be like, where is our stuff? And get it on writing and ask for your stuff. And if you are a self-funded group, you should be talking to your TPA and your vendors and be like, what are you doing here? They maybe have a resource to help you or you, there are resources out there to pull it together. But this is something you should be thinking about. And you say, why? Is anybody coming for me for this, Jessica? The answer is yes. The Department of Labor is going crazy with audits for these. They have put a ton of money into it. They have a whole separate, you, know, you can get your health plan audited just generally. They have a whole separate division that only does mental health parity audits. And if you haven't done it yet, you have about 10 business days when I see an audit request now to get it together. There is no way you can get it together in the time frame. and then it goes on and on. And the penalties for this are, you know, about $100 a day per plan participant. But the other thing is they're making you re-adjudicate claims. They are making, if you don't get into compliance, they're putting your name in a report to Congress and they're making you tell all your plan participants that you messed up with mental health parity. The other thing is any plan participant or their lawyer can come and ask you for your analysis at any time. And the plaintiff's bar is starting to realize this and say this as, Speaking as one, you know who's really not like wronged and will go at you forever and ever and ever and sue you and like get your brother-in-law's car dealership? That would be a mother of a child on the spectrum who's been wronged. So you don't want to piss us off. Get your plan in order. That's that.
0: And now a word from our sponsor, Triune Technologies. As a salesperson or an agency leader, your most valuable commodity is time. That's why it's critically important that your benefits administration doesn't sneakily eat up time that you could be using to build your book or grow your agency. If you or your team is still doing case setup, working on creating and managing EDI feeds, and dealing with ACA reporting, it may be time to look for a better tool. Benefit Connector is a done-for-you solution that understands your needs because It was created by benefits professionals just like you. For over 20 years, the system and its amazingly mature business rules have been honed to accept any type of group parameters and to keep you out there selling. Now, with special pricing for smaller groups, let Triune help you to get out of the admin business and focus on what you do best. Call Carol Motznick at 336-253-5722. That's 336-253-5722. And now, back to our interview. Just parenthetically, for those of you who have never been through a D, or had a client go through a DOL audit, it is not something that you want to do. So that said, we've got about eight minutes left. I want to skip up to what are we likely to see from this crazy divided Congress? And then what do you think the states might be percolating up on on their own so let let's start federal and then we can go to to state
1: okay so as Steve and I are recording of this, we still do not have a speaker of the House of Representatives. And we are on day three of trying to find one. So
0: Yeah, are they on vote like four thousand nine hundred and thirty-three now? I'm waiting for your name to be put in nomination. I don't
1: want that job. No one wants that job. That's I we think a Clearly. huge part of the problem is anybody that's crazy enough to want that job on both sides of the aisle. I don't think you really want to have it over for dinner or like leave yeah. your kids with. Just saying that's true. it's a bad job. So <laughs> <laughs> questionable
0: legislatively. So
1: there's that. So first of all, we've got to, you know, be able to have a functioning house of representatives. Once we get there, obviously, because we are not in the best mental health shape over at that end of Pennsylvania Avenue, whether or not they'll be able to get together on anything is is questionable. And we're also, you know, it seems crazy, but this two-year cycle leading up to a presidential election, they get less done seems like a long time away, but it's really not in their deranged little minds. So they're going to be busy doing all those types of things once they get a speaker. But some things that they are very interested in, um, one of the things that got taken, you know, was addressed with the CAA was things like the price of insulin, but there are other drugs like pharmaceutical costs, is kind of an area where there is bipartisan interest, if not agreement. Mental health care is another one where there is a is a lot of bipartisan interest in agreement. Medicare cost structure, I mean, is always a topic fund. I mean, there was provider money, they you know cut provider funds. It, we were set to cut, they gave the providers a little bit more money, but not all that they wanted. In this last CAA 23. So that is still out there. And then there's always like little pet project type of things that people are trying to get stuck in to different pieces of legislation that could have a big impact on our industry. You know, things like COBRA and Medicare, you know, other like smaller items, but they could get tucked into places. That's something always to watch. So any of the trade groups, any of their smaller pet project bills, it's always a possibility that they could get tucked in. I mean, that's kind of what they're trying to do is get them tucked into these end pieces of legislation. But I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say what they're going to be doing this, you know, whether they're going to be able to do it. And then also anytime there's a big bill, like uh, the debt ceiling's done, or the like, government is about to run out of money, that's when you want to watch. Because like the little bills, they may pass them, but to get them passed through the House, the Senate, and over to President Biden and get signed, it's a really big lift. Most of the stuff that happens now only happens when they have a major bill that needs to get done. So the next one I did hear this morning, like, we could theoretically go without a speaker until March because that's when they need to vote on the debt ceiling. So the next thing we'll be waiting for would be probably the biggest bill would be in March, and we'll see what they do.
0: Well, there are those who would argue that not having a Congress in session is probably not a bad thing, especially those of us who deal with all these crazy regulations and and stuff. Right. So what does it look like on the state side? Who's who's percolating what up? What are you seeing? What are you hearing?
1: Well, so— if you follow the supreme court like you know as one does like i do you will as know one yes. <laughs> this one does you will know that last year there was a case that kind of affected ERISA and so ERISA is a law that it, that affects employers and retirement plans it's a federal law and so basically in insurance the business of insurance and like health insurance companies and brokers and people that are like directly linked to the Sale and provision of insurance are regulated by the states because of the McCarran-Ferguson Act. But employee benefit plans and retirement plans are generally regulated federally because of ERISA, and ERISA preempts state law. However, there's been some like what falls under ERISA, what doesn't. And there was a case involving PBMs last year that kind of broke a little bit with ERISA. And so it basically allowed for the regulation more of service providers at the state level. So I think that we're going to see some more legislation after that that case was decided. We saw a lot of interest to look at particularly PBMs on the state side and pharmacy benefit managers have kind of always operated in this like kind of gray happy space where there was not a lot of regulation there's not a lot of transparency but what they do what's in their contracts you know we hear about prescription drug rebates how that all works what they do and how it affects the price of our prescriptions you know there's a lot of thoughts of opinions on this And so I think there's going to be interest at the state level at getting at the particularly pharmacy benefit managers and the cost of prescription drugs. Another area that I hear a lot of rumblings about is prices and fees related to outpatient and hospitalization. So like what is charged at like an outpatient surgery center and fees there? There's been some legislation in Connecticut that really made those fees like, more transparent. So basically, if you go to an outpatient surgery center, if you go to a hospital, you may pay, like, a hospital fee and, like, a facilities fee, and that kind of funds all kinds of things in the hospital cuz kind of spread's costs. But if you're in an outpatient surgery center or like an outpatient facility, the costs are really not the same. And but sometimes they're charging these massive fees that get tacked on to your outpatient procedures. And you're supposed to be going to those facilities cuz it's like lower cost and a way to get people in and out and save costs. But there's some fees that are being tacked on And they're not necessarily transparent. They're not necessarily, you know, there may be a cost driver. And so there's been some interest in looking at that at the state level, but I think cost containment. But do keep in mind that the states can really only regulate so much. They can regulate the insurers. They can regulate sometimes these vendors of self-funded plans. But in terms of, you know, 65% of Americans with employer coverage have self-funded coverage, And that really is mostly regulated at the federal level. So what the states are doing, it's important, but it may have a, you know, you may hear this great thing like, oh, we're doing this stuff and like we're gonna contain PBMs in our state or whatever. And it may not actually affect as much as you think, but that doesn't mean that they're not gonna try and they aren't gonna be involved. And then the other thing we always have to keep in mind is there's federal regulations. So I think we're gonna see new regulations to clarify some of this parity stuff. And then some of the transparency stuff that we talked about last week, I think the Biden administration is going to come out with stuff. And then also they're always working on things relative to Medicare. So there's going to be a lot of Medicare, particularly with Medicare marketing. They have a proposed rule for the marketing of private Medicare products out right now as that got finalized. So we're going to be looking at those things in the year ahead.
0: Sounds like an awful lot is going on, and it sounds like we'll probably have you back over the summer to kind of tell us where things have shaken out and what new horrors and important reporting they've come up with for us to to do. Because it's getting ridiculous. I mean, it's really getting to be a whole universe unto itself and— I've been at this just long enough to remember when we sell a plan and we get a pat on the butt and you'd move on and sell the next plan. And that's not today. So we need help from smart people like you. Jessica Waltman, Vice President of Compliance at MZQ Consulting. Jess, thanks so much for your insight. We'll talk to you again soon.
1: Thank you so much, David. The Shift Shapers Podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.